with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Idaho 8-Man Prep Cast. Brandon Bainey joined by our 8-Man expert, Will Henneke. Will, thanks for joining us. Expert might be a little bit steep, but I appreciate it. Good to be here. Hey, I got to butter you up so you keep coming back each week. So I guess so. It's the it's the huge paycheck, right? <laughs> right. Yes, for sure. Uh, the love of the game definitely is what fuels this uh, prep cast. And big yep. thanks to everybody that, that tunes in week in, week out. There's a lot of different ways you can consume this podcast. You can um, listen to it at our site, idahosports.com. Across the top of the homepage, there's a bunch of different tabs. There's one that says prep casts. From there, there's a little drop-down menu. You can click on Idaho 8 Men Prepcast and listen to it there. You can download it on your favorite podcast platform, Google, Spotify, Apple, etc. And really, if you subscribe, then the app downloads it for you. That's one listing you got to do. So you should definitely subscribe if you listen to it uh, on a podcast platform. Uh, you can also tune in uh, and watch every week on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel and Facebook page. And if you're watching on YouTube, um, just hit the little bell. There's a little bell icon on YouTube and kind of like the podcast platforms. Um, it'll automatically send you an alert when we've posted a new episode. So it's a really convenient way to, to stay in the loop. Uh, let's get into it. To me, there was two really big stories in, in the eight-man game involving the, the top two teams in 1AD1 and 1AD2. I think we'll just go chronologically, and that is on Thursday night, Kendrick defeats Genesee. 104 to zero. Will, you've been in Idaho a lot longer than I have. Have you ever seen a score that finishes in triple digits like that? You know, there there have been a couple. There was a game, Paul Kingsbury and I were talking about it. There was, and I think it was actually even a playoff game, um, I don't know, maybe six, eight years ago. And I believe, and don't quote me on this because I didn't take time to research the specific game before we uh, before we recorded this, I believe it was Valley and Lapway. And the final score was like 102 to 48 or something like that. But 102, wow, but 48 versus zero. And and I've I've read a few things where where people are pointing out, I was listening to a, a podcast done by the, uh, the sports department up at the Lewiston Tribune where they were saying the 2-0. One of them was saying, the two zero part is what stuck out to him. You know, you'll, you see every year you see team score 84, 88, 92. So you think about it. One more touchdown in that context is a hundred. So you've got teams that are sniffing that a lot, but doing that to zero, um, th that was, that was pretty wild because, and I, and Genesee was playing without its best player. Angus Jordan did not play in that game. Um, head coach Justin Podrabski hoping to have him back here in a week or two and full go. And that changes the dynamic a little bit. But okay, so you put Angus Jordan back in. Maybe it's not 104 to zero. Maybe it's like 70 to 18 or something like that. But I think you and I would both agree 70 to 18 doesn't raise nearly as many eyebrows as 100 to nothing. Um, and, you know, I read a lot of comments from a lot of different directions that. 104, what is Zane Hobart doing? He's running up the score, blah, 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 blah. And after talking to both coaches, um, I, I, I genuinely believe that was not Zane Hobart's intent. 
And I know that that Podrabsky and, and people around the Genesee program don't feel like that was his intent. And that's just sometimes games get away from you a little bit. And, and I think for Genesee, being shorthanded and the game just kind of got away from a little bit, coupled with the fact that Kendrick is really dang good. Um, Podrabsky even joked that their JV is, is probably better than a lot of varsity teams right now. Um, you know, I, I think there are a multitude of, of factors at play. And, yeah, the score was ugly um, from a, a competitive standpoint if you're a purist. Um, but I, 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 I genuinely don't believe there was any ill intent. I don't believe it was anything dirty or malicious. I think it was just a game that just kind of got away. Yeah, and that happens where, um, you know, it's not like Kendrick is keeping their starting unit out there. And, you know, once once the lead is built up, you know, Coach Hobart pulls those guys. and Well, and it was early second quarter when he started substituting. And, yeah. um, you know, both he and Podravsky said it was very obvious that the playbook had been limited to just one or two plays. But at some point, you got to let the kids play. And if you're a... If you're a third string freshman and you're in a varsity game for the first time, I think it's pretty hard to ask that kid when the field opens up to have the the state of mind and the the awareness in the moment to, you know, not not go for the end zone. I, I don't know that you can tell him that. And um, and and Podrabsky said, look, part of this is on us. We just we didn't play very well. We didn't tackle very well. But he was also extremely complimentary that his kids, they wouldn't they wouldn't quit. Like they would have been mad if they would have stopped the game in the third quarter or something like that. Those Genesee kids, um, you know, it's akin to the show. Um, if you ever watch the show Friday Night Lights, there's a game in the final season, uh, final season, fourth season, I don't know, where the coach just sees his team getting their, you know, they're getting their butts handed to him. So he goes out at halftime and says, we can't do this. We're done. And the kids in the show were devastated. And they're like, coach, you got to let us finish the fight. And, and Genesee, no matter how bad it looks on paper, Genesee finished the fight. And I know that coach Podravsky was pretty proud of that. Yeah, it was a, 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 a good, um, th- there's no moral victories you can take away from that. Uh, but for Genesee, I agree. It was great to see them continue that fight. And it's a good reminder, Will, you talk about this all the time. In eight-man football, you are an injury away from yeah. penthouse to the poorhouse. And that's what we're seeing with Genesee right now. Hopefully, Angus Jordan uh, can come back. Um, okay, I was going to talk Rapid River Oakley next. But this this conversation about sportsmanship and you know what do you do when you're you know, overmatching an opponent. Uh, it kind of leads into another game I saw this weekend where Lewis County was playing Meadows Valley. And again, this is a Meadows Valley team that's still kind of getting their feet under them. First full year as a varsity competitor in the eight-man game. And uh, head coach Monty Madrell, I thought in a, in a really good nod to sportsmanship, didn't play any of his upperclassmen in, in this contest. He played just as freshmen and sophomores. And Lewis County still came away with the victory, thirty-six to nothing. But um, I, I thought that was really cool, and that's you know something we don't always highlight enough when uh, good sportsmanship is happening. So yeah, and it's it's probably uh, you know just from a coaching standpoint. I mean, I'm sure that some of those upperclassmen, the Ty Hambleys and the Gage Crows and whatnot, they were probably looking forward to picking up a few touchdowns and you know 
you know, getting some big moments and some highlight moments. But like we just talked about, who's to say that, you know, an inadvertent helmet on the kneecap doesn't end somebody's season. So Coach Madrell had the kids that could go in there and can, could compete and could offer Meadows Valley a, a good, you know, stiff competition. Obviously, they won the game. And he did so without risking any of his upperclassmen because they've got some big games coming up. This is one of the the better 1A Division II teams in the league. And, and, and again, you know, to go back to that Kendrick thing, it's not like Ty Kep played three quarters. You know, he played he played one, and then and then he was out of the game. So, so similar, you know, similar. There, there are very much there are analogies at play there. And then there's even another game where, um, you know, in staying in the Division Two ranks for a moment, North Gem beat Clark County, eighty to eight. And and Corey Hatch said afterwards, the head coach at North Gem, you know, I'm 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 not proud to have won the game by 72 points, but I'm proud of the way that, that the kids on both sides handled it. Both kid, the kids played and the kids just played football. And, and, and he even specifically singled out a handful of the Clark County kids and said, you know, look out here in a couple of years, they might not be too bad. Um, so I think that it, and it happens a lot. We've seen instances um, Stetson Spooner up in, in Mullen has told me there were a couple of times where they were having to play uh, where they were really limited on kids. And and going back to the game that started this whole thing, Meadows Valley is limited on kids. They don't have a ton of just physical bodies. And Stetson Spooner said that there were games, and Kendrick is one with, with Zane Hobart, where, um, you know, a kid got hurt or Mullen could only have seven kids on the field. So what did Hobart do? He pulled one of his kids off and they played seven on seven doesn't have to do that. It's not written in the rules that he has to do that or opposing coaches have to do that. But yet you see it. You see it a pretty fair amount because I think there are enough teams out there that can say, hey, been there. You know, I know what that's like. So let me get a kid or two off the field and let's just play football. Yeah, it's um, it's hard in the eight man game because uh, sometimes there are those programs that have such low numbers and it's great to see uh, great sportsmanship being uh, demonstrated on all fronts because coaches remember this stuff too, right? It's like the eight man family. It's like, a, you know, it's a close knit group and they're, you know, coaches remember these things. And so um, I'm, I'm really glad to see all of the great sportsmanship that is taking place. Um, let, let's and just you keep can't really quick, going. just to wrap, put a bow on this. You can't judge sportsmanship solely on a scoreboard. And, and that's a thing that I think gets lost here. Well, it was 104 to nothing. Well, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to take a knee on every play and tell me from a coach and a competitor standpoint, which do you prefer? Do you prefer that the other team keeps playing or that the other team patronizes you by literally taking a knee every play in the fourth quarter or punting on first down or whatever the case may be? Um, and, and I'm a baseball coach, and I've been on the wrong end of some of these games coaching baseball where the other team's been apologizing to me. You know, hey, coach, it's 15, it's 15 to nothing, 16 to nothing. And I just tell them, just play the game. Just play the game. It's our job to ultimately get better. And, and we will, we'll be better as, as a result of this. The kids are getting the playing time. The kids are getting the experience. And hopefully they're getting that taste in their mouth. Hey, we don't want to go through this again. So we we have the opportunity to, to have it in our hands and, and make this, you know, make this a teaching moment for the coaches, an opportunity to grow as kids, and an opportunity to improve as a program. 
Definitely. So uh, let, let's just keep it w- at the 1AD2 level. We've kind of already started down this path where we've talked a lot about a, a 1AD2 team since I promise we'll get to Rat River Oakley, which was the other big story uh, sure. coming up. Um, other things that stood out to me, obviously, Camas County uh, hosting Horseshoe Bend in that uh, quasi makeup game. Uh, basically, we talked about it last week. Rimrock had canceled the game on Camas. They were able to pick up Horseshoe Bend um, and the Mushers. I, I think they were pretty motivated to come out and, okay, this is a top five matchup. Um, we we want to show everybody that we are for real. And they went 54 to six over Horseshoe Bend. Well, and the thing that I'm that we're starting to learn a lot about this Camas County team, it's it's not a one trick pony. Tristan Smith, Troy Smith, uh, Emmett Palin. I mean, you go up and down the list. Uh, Trevor Trevor Twos. I might be mispronouncing his name, and I apologize if I am. Um, you just go up and down the list in any given game. It's not like they have one kid, Cody Smith, another one. It's not like they have one kid at the end of the day who has 250 yards rushing and six touchdowns, right? It's a series of kids who are all between a 50 and 100 yards, either rushing and receiving. You know, five kids have scored one, maybe two touchdowns. The the balance is impressive. It's really impressive. And as it as you go on, you know, some teams you can look at and you can say, okay, we got to lock this guy down and we got a chance to win. Um, Camas County, okay, so you take Troy Smith away. Okay, what about Cody Smith? You know, what what about Emmett? What about Trevor? You just you keep going down. They've got multiple kids who can hurt you. And the thing that I was told from the beginning that is proven prophetic, they're very quick. They're not super bulky. They're not loaded up with 225-pound guys, but they're very quick. And in a, in when you have smaller numbers in the same size space. If you can create those matchups and you can get those quick players with a little bit of room to operate, you can you can really cause problems for opposing defenses. And that Horseshoe Bend team, 54 to 6, nothing notwithstanding, or 54 to 6, notwithstanding, I should say, that Horseshoe Bend team is a pretty good football team. You know, I think they're still going to be in the playoffs when it's all said and done. And I think they saw firsthand, okay, this this Camas County team, they've got They've got some. Uh, they've got some bullets in the gun, metaphorically speaking, that it, that are going to be tough to deal with. Yeah, this is a good learning uh, test for Horseshoe Bend as well. Okay, we got to get a lot better if we, you know, want to see these guys again down the road in the playoffs. Um, Emmett Palin was your uh, top uh, award winner this week in the in the three stars awards. Um, he had a very fantastic game, of course. Uh, and, and I always look at the defensive stats for Camas County. It seems like they're, they're forcing multiple turnovers per game. They're usually taking a defensive touchdown back. Palin had eight tackles, a sack and a pick six. Um, they do this every week. So yes, the offense is incredible, but to me, the mushers defense is kind of, I think very quietly one of the better units in the state. Yeah, and, and Cody Smith, he's returned a couple of picks for touchdowns, and you just go up and down that list. Like you said, it's you know, there are four or five different guys on any given day that are that are doing damage for the mushers. And um, you know, they're that team that and 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 I'll continue to eat crow on this because I'm looking worse and worse by the week. I said from I said early in the season that I thought Dietrich and Castleford were maybe a half step ahead of Camas County. Um, in in that in that conference in the Sawtooth and and so far Camas County I don't know if they listen to me I don't know if it's like written up on the wall or somewhere bulletin board material but what they're showing me is they're right there with anybody 
you know, they're, they're right there. And, you know, you can't say they're a, a half step behind anybody right now. They're a good football team. Definitely. Um, Camas County was picked to uh, tie uh, the preseason coaches poll that we conducted for IdahoSports.com. Castle Ford and Camas tied for first in that preseason coaches poll, and Dietrich was third, um, which, again, is why I was low on Dietrich to start the year. And clearly, um, you can have three teams from one league, and they, they could all be the top three teams in the state. We've seen that happen before, especially from District 4. So uh, the last team from District 4 that I wanted to highlight was Hager- Hagerman. They go out on on Thursday night and defeat Idaho City 54 to 18. Here are the Pirates 3 and 1. They actually are in the media poll this week. Um for the 1A D2 poll, they tied for 5th with Council. So congratulations to Hagerman. They're off to a 3 and 1 start. Um you know, we'll find out coming up how legit they are cuz they get into conference play now, but what a cool story this has been. It is, and they've they've done a great job. And I think I told you the the former coach uh, Dana Strong telling me last year, hey, I don't know that we're that far away. And starting three and one is they've shown that they've taken that next step forward. And now, like you said, when you get into the Castle Forts, who's given up fourteen points all season, uh, and then you get into Dietrich, who's averaging sixty five points per game on offense. When you get into those games, those are the tests, and it, it's going to be really fun to see how how Hagerman handles them. You know, if when they get punched, are they going to get right back up? I suspect that they will, but it's it's going to be a little bit of a different beast, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, so we'll we'll see how Hagerman uh, stacks up here as the season goes along. District four this year only gets three playoff bids. Last year they got four. This year, they only get three. So that's going to be a fantastic battle between those four squads as they so all try So that tells to... you if, if Hagerman wants to wants a playoff spot, and I'm sure they do, you know, if you go back, there is a pretty good history of, of winning championships at Hagerman. I think they, they won one as recently as about six or seven years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. It's not that long ago that, that Hagerman won a state championship, but they're going to have to win at least one of those games. They're going to have to beat Camas County. They're going to have to beat Castle Fort. They're going to have to beat Dietrich if they want to be sure of getting into the postseason. Definitely. Yeah, Hagerman has won titles in 1989, 1990, 2011, and 2013. So, yeah, really wasn't that long ago. Pretty good. Um, A lot of schools out there still looking for that first championship. And uh, Hagerman sitting at four. Um, Castle Ford did win as well. Um, Dietrich had the week off. Uh, Castle Ford did get a nice victory as well over Rockland. Um, 20, I'm trying to remember here, 26 to 14. Um, Ethan Rowland started the scoring with a touchdown run. Um, and again, we don't know much about Castle Ford. They, you know, there's, there's some schools that, um, are very active on social media, highlighting the team and what they did, or you know, calling in media reports and things like that. And um, there's certain schools where it's really tough to get information. But from what I've seen from Castle Ford this year, I've had the chance to go back and watch a little bit of their film. Um, they've got some pretty good offensive linemen up front that are kind of leading the way for their success. Yeah, and a couple pretty good athletes behind them. And if you can blow open some holes. You know, it's it's fun to get the 80-yard touchdown, but you know what? You average five yards a carry, you're going to get to the end zone eventually anyway, and and they've done a good job of that. And then even more impressively, like I said, is that defense. 14 points allowed total in three games. 
you know, that's that's pretty doggone good. And I don't care if it's eight man. I don't care if it's six man. I don't care if it's 11 man. I don't care if it's nine man. I know that there's some nine man leagues out there. At some point, if you want to win a championship, you're going to have to make stops. And that's what is going to, you know, you can, the, the 80 to 78 football game sure can be fun from a television highlight thing and a, a, high, a player's highlight reel standpoint. But, but those, those teams that rely on scoring 60 to 70 points, sooner or later, if they want to win a championship, they're going to have to stop some people. And you get into November when it's cold and it's wet and the conditions are not great your margin for error generally comes back to your defense. And that Castle Ford team, they've been stymied. They've been straight up stymying people so far this year in that place, no matter the weather conditions. Yep. So they'll be a, a fun team to keep an eye on for sure um, as they progress in their season. Okay, let's go to 1A D1 football where Raft River Oakley was the game of the week, I thought, in the, in the state, not just for eight-man football, but in the entire state. And they didn't disappoint. Um, the regular season battles always seem to be these tight affairs. And then when we get to the championship, then Oakley's like, okay, yep, we're going to just blow past you. It's, it's, it always uh, astounds me that Oakley um, improves so much um, as the season goes on. So Oakley wins 34 to 30. This was a back and forth affair, kind of like last year's game. Raft River jumped out to an early lead. Uh, they were up 18 to six at one point. Oakley never panicked. They stayed calm, stayed the course. And it was Oakley that was up two scores by the time the fourth quarter rolled around. And it was Rath River trying to make a mad comeback. Um, they got a late touchdown, tried to get an onside kick, didn't recover it. Um, so for Oakley, I thought this was a very impressive win. And honestly, for Rath River, I thought this was pretty impressive as well because I thought the gap between Oakley and Rath River was a lot wider than this game proved it to be. Yeah, Raft, Raft definitely hung with them. I think the thing that is uh, going to be interesting with both those teams going forward, because I expect that those are going to be two teams that are, you know, they very much have the potential to be playing deep into November. It's if if either team gets into a situation where they have to score quickly, um, how will they respond to that? You know, you talked about Raft River getting the touchdown, needing the onside kick, and then needing another touchdown. If, if Raft River, if Oakley gets the ball on the 10, on their own 10 with a minute and a half to go, um, do they have the pace? Do they have the tempo? They certainly have the players. There's, I don't think there's anybody questioning their playmakers on both sides. Are they going to be able to quickly and efficiently move down the field uh, and, and score when, when the clock is not their ally? I think that's a thing that um, is going to be interesting to watch with both those teams. Um, because I think there, there are close games in in both of their futures going forward, especially when we're talking in the playoffs. But they're they're both they're both good football teams. They're both strong football teams. Great players on both sides, and 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 they know how to put on a show. They they play some pretty fun football games. Yeah, Ethan Torabau had a 65-yard touchdown run for Oakley at one point. He was the IdahoSports.com player of the game, and outside of that almost all the touchdowns on both sides were from like the 20 yard line in it, there. There wasn't that, that big home run hitter type right. plays that we're used to seeing. And so I think that speaks to both defenses as well, that they can, can well, prevent the big play 34 to 30 in the eight man context is probably akin to say, a, you know, a 18 to 14, 11 man game. 
where, okay, there's a little bit of offense, but the defense is mixed in some stops as well. And if in general, when, when you're, when you're talking about the level of teams that, that Raft River and Oakley are, you got to expect if you're holding a team to mid twenties to maybe 30 points, you got to feel pretty good about your chances to win. Now, if you're if you're Castle Ford and you're holding teams to zero, you feel fantastic about your chances to win. But if, if you're keeping a team anywhere from say 24 to 30 points, you've got to feel pretty confident that you're going to scratch together enough scoring drives and enough scoring plays to win that game. Definitely. The league standings right now, Oakley alone in first, they're two and zero in the league. Carey and Glens Ferry are both one and zero. Murtaugh and Raft River are both one and one. And then Valley and Lighthouse Christian bring up the rear at 0 and 2. And we talked about Lighthouse being better than an 0 and 2 league record. They played Carey on Friday night and lost 36 to 6. It was actually a very tight game at halftime. Um, and then in the, the third quarter, um, Colton Larna ripped off like an 80, 87 yard touchdown and gave Carey the breathing room they needed. But that game was very close for a half. Uh, Larna ends up rushing for three touchdowns for the Panthers in the win. Um, they played this game without Connor Simpson, their all state mm-hmm. running back. Yeah. No. And, and Jason Smith, the head coach for lighthouse Christian said, Hey, just straight up. We didn't, we just didn't play that well. Um, and that happens sometimes. Sometimes you just don't have a great game and you, you can't afford to not play well against carry. Uh, carry is, is a pretty good football team and they have, multiple weapons and you know they go out and put up 36 points against lighthouse christian without connor simpson that's that's pretty solid effort yep so uh carrie just keeps on doing what carrie does and again those league cha- those league standings are going to change a lot here over the next couple of weeks it'll be really okay. interesting to see how that all shakes out up north in the white pine league we had uh so obviously oakley raft river was a really great game and we had that on idahosports.com the other eight man game we had last week was also a thriller uh as clearwater valley hosted lapway and this was a wild back and forth affair um clearwater valley outscores Lapway 16 to nothing over the final 10 minutes and change to uh, earn the come from behind win 34 to 22. I thought it was very impressive for coach Allen Hutchins and his Ram squad to um, battle back in the fourth quarter and win a game late. Yeah. Especially coming off what had happened the week before where they just did not have a strong game at all against notice to bounce back in a, in a big game. I believe it was homecoming and, and all the festivities that go with that. For, for them to bounce back and, and come up with a win against a good Lapway team like that, you know, it, it puts them into a good position going forward, you know, 2-0 and in league play, and you've got that win over Lapway, for example. Now they come up and they play Kamii, you know, and those two are, uh, you know, old friends, shall we say. There's a bit of a rivalry there. The team that wins that game puts themselves in a, in a real good position going forward to earn, uh, if not the automatic bid, from the white pine to the one, a division one playoffs, it puts them in really good position as far as securing one of those eight at large bids from the state to go to the postseason. And so this, you know, to get that win against Lapway, that's a good first step. And now I know both those teams are looking at, at this game and thinking, okay, here's, here's another big step. Here's another big step. The winner of this game is going to put themselves in a really, really, really good spot. They're not, they're not in, let's not, Let's not, you know, break out the tired cliche of punching the ticket. It will not have happened yet, but they will put themselves very much in, uh, you know, in uh, 
the driver's seat to steal another cliche to go get a playoff spot. Yeah, it's uh, almost a reversal of last year. Um, if we look at the White Pine standings, Prairie, Kamii, Clearwater Valley, all 2-0 and at the top of the standings. Then you've got Potlatch and Troy. They're both 1-1. One and one. And then La Lapway, Genesee, and Logos all 0-2. I, I don't think a lot of people expected Lapway and Genesee to both be 0-2 in league, but that speaks to the quality of play in the White Pine League. And last year where we talked about Clearwater Valley, um, had that gauntlet of a schedule early on, right? They played Raft River, Prairie, and Genesee. Boom, 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 yeah. all out of the gate. And they were 0-3. Yeah. And they they started the year last year 1-5, and and they just never could get that momentum going. Now, they did qualify for the playoffs, uh, got bounced in the first round by Lapway, their their league rival. Um, what a difference a year makes. And, and, you know, they talk about this in the NFL all the time, right? Uh, if you start 2-0, and you know, you have like an 85% chance of making the playoffs and mm – -hmm. Um, if you start 0 and 2, it's kind of the opposite way. Yeah. The 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 schedule, you don't really have much control over that, but it does make a difference if you can get off to a good start. That momentum typically carries you through. It it does. But the good news, if if you're Lapway or your Logos, is is you've got, you know, you've got the opportunity to make up some ground. You know, you're gonna see Potlatch, you're gonna see Troy, you're gonna see some of these teams that you're trying to catch. And if you can take care of business, now the onus, it's much more important, you know, your margin for error just went from, you know, this big to, you know, this big, you, you can't afford to, you can't afford to come up short of the goal line too many more times. But if, if you're able to take care of business in some of those games, you can push yourself right back into the playoff picture, uh, especially when it's a, you know, the, the KFC 11 special herbs and spices, when that's the, the, the math equation here, where no one really knows what it is. But you know that if you take care of some business and you win some games in conference, um, you, you've got a chance to be right there. You know, you're, you're going to make somebody make a choice here. Um, and by somebody, I mean a computer. It's, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance. Um, and I know it sounds like I'm stating the obvious by saying if you win, you have a better chance. Well, duh. But not only that, but if you can knock a couple of those teams in front of you down a peg, it's kind of the, the combination effect. So, you know, I don't think, you know, if you're if you're a Lapway Wildcat player or coach or fan, I don't think you should be putting away your helmet and heading over the gym to start working on, you know, the latest incarnation of a phenomenal basketball team that they're going to have this year. But at the same time, OK, we've got to win some games. We've we've got to we've got to you know, they've been in a lot of games we've got to find a way to close these out and, and turn the, the losses into wins. And they have the athletes to do it. They just need to make, you know, that one more play, that two more plays and, and the better results will come. Definitely. So let's, let's start to preview what's coming up this, this weekend for games um, right away on Thursday night, Logos at Lapway. Somebody is going to get their first win of the year in league play. And that could really catapult the team. Logos got their first win of the season period last week over Clark Fork 32 to 30 in a, in a tight battle. So Logos is at Lapway Prairie is at Genesee in the white pine league. And then uh, the game you highlighted, Clearwater Valley at Kamii will be a fantastic matchup. And also Troy at Potlatch. Those are two teams that are both one and one in league play right now. That'll be a, a separator type game as well. Yeah, and that's a really important matchup because, you know, in talking to several coaches, they think Potlatch is probably the real deal. Um, and as it goes on, you know, they're going to be a real thorn in everybody's side. Whereas, you know, I think I think Troy has to prove it a little bit. You know, I think that some people have seen Troy win a game or two in the past 
And then at the end of the year, there they are at two and six or at three and five. And um, so they have a chance to come in here and they have to go to potlatch to do it. Uh, but they have a chance to make a little bit of a statement here. Like, hey, don't forget about us. You're talking about these three or four teams over here. Don't forget about us. It's it's in their hands. And you'll hear me say that a lot. It's, it's, it's not up to anybody else. It's up to those Trojan players. If they want to go out and if they want to be taken seriously, it starts on Friday night with a chance to, to beat a good potlatch team. Definitely. Uh, in District 4 uh, this week, we've got two games for you on IdahoSports.com. Oakley at Cary is going to be uh, really tantalizing. Paul Kingsbury yeah. will be on the call for that one. Um, and then we also have a non-conference battle as Lighthouse Christian will host Butte County. <laughs> the gauntlet continues for the Lions, but yeah, we'll have Lighthouse for the first time this year on IdahoSports.com. We're very excited to broadcast that game on Friday night as well. That should be an interesting one. Yeah, they like to throw the ball. Uh, they're they're happy to play some tempo. They're happy to take advantage of their their speed and their size on the outside. And Butte County is 180 degrees the other way. Sam Thorngren wants to use his bevy of running backs, and he wants to basically bludgeon you into submission. So again, it comes back to the defense. Which defense is 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 the Lighthouse Christian front? Are they going to make it harder for Butte County to run? then Butte County's secondary is going to make it for Lighthouse Christian to pass. I think that, you know, we, we like to simplify things down in this game. We like to try and make them sound way easier and way less complicated than they generally are. But I think this is a, this is a matchup in particular where if, if uh, you know, if Butte County can make Justice Schrader's life miserable throwing the ball for Lighthouse Christian, Lighthouse Christian is going to have a tough time winning that game. Conversely, if, if the Lighthouse Christian front is not letting Trayton Allen and the other running backs from Butte County, uh, you know, Corey Gamut, some of those other players for Butte County, if they're not giving them any room to operate, they have a chance to make things pretty tough on the Pirates. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic non-conference battle. The other game we're bringing you, Oakley at Cary, of course, will be fantastic as well, as we'll see. You know, Cary, another another hurdle to clear here in their first year competing at the 1A D1 level. Other and games. What's the deal with Paul and Cary? Is he, does, did he move? <laughs> yeah. and, and I just haven't heard that. He's like the official play-by-play -play guy of Cary High School. They they take care of him real good at, at Cary. Um, you know, he's well-fed when he goes to the game. The, the Panthers, um, they're parents uh they're always cooking like delicious food it sounds like they're always you know smoking something or you know some sort of delicious meat uh i think during one of the games actually on the air paul was calling a carry game a couple weeks ago and uh somebody came up to him and asked and he, uh, you know he's like ah oh, third down and six and uh yes i will take him out and do thank you and <laughs> uh, nice. you know he's placing his order on the air so um yeah, he, you know, Kerry treats him very well, and um, it is, it's a hard place to get to, right? It's going to be a long trip for whoever is going up there to broadcast. So, as Paul, as the boss, I guess, takes that, um, that long road trip. So, uh, yes, Paul will be at Kerry once again Friday night, uh, to broadcast, uh, Oakley and the Panthers. Uh, also in District Four this week, Valley is at Raft River, and this is a big one, Glens Ferry at Murtaugh. You know, Glens Ferry is sitting there one and oh. In the, in the league, they didn't play last week, and mm -hmm. Murtaugh is a team that's 3-1 and one and trying to prove that, hey, we belong in, in the postseason conversation. Yeah, I like I like that Murtaugh team quite a bit, and, and Glens Ferry, I think, needs, um, you know, much the same as, as Troy up in, in the White Pine. Glens Ferry, they, they need a win. You know, they need to, um, 
they need to show the rest of of that of the Snake River Conference that hey, don't forget about us. And it, and Murtaugh presents the next good opportunity. You know, you hear teams all the time. One of the latest cliches is we need to go one and zero this week. Well, Glens Ferry probably needs to go one and zero because we're we're creating a little bit of separation with those top few teams. And if Glens Ferry wants to stay in playoff contention, a big part of it is getting a win over one of those top teams to close that gap down a little bit. Definitely. Over in District 3, Notice continues marching on. They beat Salmon River last week. Uh, Notice will be at Wilder. This was the game we had kind of circled in the preseason as, okay, this game, you know, more than likely uh, decides the league title. Maybe the wind has been taken out of the sails of this game a little bit because of Wilder's injury problems. Um, Mm -hmm. So to me, the more intriguing game in District 3 is uh, Rimrock at Greenleaf Friends. The Grizzlies just beat Shoshone on Saturday night, 27-26. to I have no idea what happened in the game, but sounds like it was a really uh, exciting one. Uh, The Grizzlies got a one-point win. They're 2-2, and and Rimrock is coming off of a quote-unquote bye week after they had to drop out of their Camas County matchup. So to me, that is the more intriguing matchup out of District 3. It's it's a compelling game, and we talked about a couple weeks ago when Greenleaf picked up that win over uh, Meadows Valley. It was their first full-fledged varsity win on the field in like 10 years because there were some years that they didn't play. There were some years that they played a JV schedule. So a little bit misleading. It wasn't like they'd gone 0-8 10 years in a row or anything like that. But, you know, they finally pick up a, a, a that full-fledged varsity win in that game, and they apparently liked it so much that they came out and did it again. And uh, I, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be thinking when this game's over, hey, we we have a really good chance to be 3-2 and two overall and, and have a conference win. And, and you got to go into that game with that mindset. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they do. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm hoping, I don't know if it'll work out, but I'm hoping I have a chance to maybe sneak over um, and watch a little bit of that game because I don't live too far from Greenleaf. Yeah, that'll be a Thursday night game, as we learned. They play either on Thursday or Saturday um, because they are co-oping with Gem State Adventist uh, Academy this year for football as well, and they don't play, uh, they don't uh, compete in activities on Fridays. So um, that'll be a Thursday night game. Um, and then over in District 5 and 6, um, it's a lot of uh, D1 versus D2 matchups this week. We talked about Butte County obviously going to Lighthouse. Grace will play Rockland. And Chalice Mackey, uh, 7C, will play Water Springs. That'll be an interesting matchup as well. So let's go to the D2 schedule and see what's on tap. We just talked about Districts uh, 5 and 6. So let's go over to District 4, where Hagerman will play at Castleford. We'll find out right away you know, where the Pirates really do stack up. Yeah, that's, that's one of two games this week where it's like, okay, you know, you, you're messing with the Bulls. Are you going to get the horn or are you going to be able to, uh, you know, you're going to be able to hang around? And the other one, um, you know, would be that Lewis County Kendrick game where, you know, hey, can can Lewis County, can they can they counter punch? Because, you know, Kendrick's going to punch, right? You know, Castle Ford's going to punch. Can Hagerman counter punch? Or is that a game when we look up at the end of the night, does it wind up a, a, as a one sided score? It's a great opportunity for those those the two teams that are that are looking up, so to speak, for for Hagerman and for Lewis County. It's a great opportunity, and as a competitor, that's what you should want. You should want that opportunity, and it's a great opportunity for the other sides as well, for for Castle Ford and for Kendrick, because the one thing that you want, you want to be tested. You want to be pushed. 
you want to be challenged. You don't want it to come too easy because then when you do get challenged, maybe you don't respond to that challenge too well. So both of those games are are great opportunities for, for both sides. I would expect Kendrick to get a W. I would expect Castleford to get a W. But, uh, you know, as the old saying goes, that's why you roll the ball out there and say play. You know, that's that's why you kick it off. That's why you play. And let's see let's see if Lewis County is in Hagerman. Let's see if they're really ready to make that jump up. And, uh, you know, I think there's I think there's some talent there to do it. Let's see if they can. Yeah, those will be uh, two fantastic matchups. Uh, other games in District 4, Dietrich is at Hanson this week. Uh, coming off the bye in Camas County will be at Shoshone. Um, let's just go up to the White Pine League since you talked about uh, Kendrick and and Don't Lewis forget County. Horseshoe Bend Council. Well, yeah, I yes, I was going to say that's the best game of the week. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, okay. So let, let's just yeah, let's keep it linear. We'll go District Three. This is to me the best game of the week in one AD two football. Horseshoe Bend at Council. I think we've had differing opinions, right? I think Will, you've leaned Council a little more. I've leaned more Horseshoe Bend, and I guess uh, somebody between the two of us will be bragging next week and somebody will be eating that plate of crow. Correct. Correct. <laughs> it's it's going to be, it's going to be a good matchup and they've uh, you know, neither one of them have been unscathed. You've got three and one versus two and two. So they've both been on, on differing sides of the wins and losses and they both have playmakers and they're both strong. They're both competitive. You know, last year's game came down to the, you know, I want to say the final 30 seconds, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, I would expect this year's this year's game to be no different. And I've been saying all year long when it comes to uh, the long pin, don't sleep on Tri-Valley. I'm going to say that. But now I'm going to pick up the torch for Garden Valley. They're 3-0, and 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 they play Meadows Valley um, on, on Friday afternoon in Garden Valley. They're 3-0, and and, you know, I, the skeptic will say, well, who have they played? Well, the thing is, is they've bludgeoned all three teams that they've played. And if you're a good team, isn't that what you're supposed to do? So let's not penalize them for doing what they're supposed to do. They're going to be a team that bears watching as well as as they're, you know, and they've got, I wrote down some stuff here about them specifically. We talk about multiple kids who can hurt you. You have Tacoma Kelly, you have Gavin Kelly, you have Aaron Noakes, you have Jaden Hunt, who's making plays on defense. There might be more to that Garden Valley team than, than we first anticipated where we're talking Horseshoe Bend Council, maybe we should be talking Horseshoe Bend Council and Garden Valley. Yeah, and, you know, you can only play the team that's in front of you that week um, for Garden Valley. You know, they'll try and take another step forward. Uh, Salmon River also plays at Tri-Valley. I know that's another team that you think could compete for that third playoff spot. District 3 gets three playoff bids this year. So we think Council and Horseshoe Bend are locked in, and um, probably Garden Valley, Tri-Valley are going to be fighting for that third spot. Um yeah potentially so um we'll keep an eye on that uh district two kendrick uh plays uh i like i like this league schedule because there's only four teams so it's really easy to tell who's playing who if you know one of the matchups uh kendrick right kendrick is gonna play lewis county uh deary will play timberline um two teams to the playoffs out of that league uh and again i think it probably comes down to timberline and lewis county much as it did last year when the Spartans from Weipe earned that second playoff bid. And then up north in the North Star League, uh, Mullen St. Regis continues to do their thing. They beat a shorthanded Wallace team last week. Uh, Wallace is missing its uh, 
big playmaker Landon Streeter. Hopefully he's back soon as, as Mullen St. Reed just won that game 46 to six. Um, they will play Lakeside this week. They'll host Lakeside in Mullen at three 30 on Friday. You've also got uh, Clark Fork at Kootenai this week on the league schedule also. Yeah. And that Clark Fork team is, they're no joke either. They, they went and hung right with Logos last week and uh, Nick Holloway, the head coach for Logos said, Hey, that, he, he said that's a team that can go win that division. And, you know, when you've got Mullen St. Regis in there, who from a league title standpoint, they've kind of owned the North Star since the North Star was reformed a few years ago. Um, you know, they're going to have to go through Clark Fork to get there. And Clark Fork, I'm sure, remembers a few of those games. And the two teams have already played once, and it was a good football game. And, and I'm sure Clark Fork is anxious to, um, you know, give the Tigers one back. Um, because it's it's been pretty one-sided the last few years. Um, and Ethan Howard, Chase San Roman, they've got some kids that can play up in Clark Fork. And uh, let's let's see how that one plays out when those two teams meet again down the line. And remember, they get two teams in the playoffs this year. So Clark Fork has – they really have something to play for, where in years past, you know, by this point of the year, when they've only had one bid, you know, whoever's looking up at Mullen St. Regis may as well just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, we're going to go seven and one, but Mullen St. Regis is eight and no, oh, so we're not going to the playoffs. And that changes this year. That's, that's going to make things a little different. Yeah, that'll be a fun rematch. and That'll be a little further on down the schedule. Uh, there, there's a lot of good games on tap this weekend, though, including two on IdahoSports.com. Again, Oakley at Kerry. Butte County at Lighthouse Christian. We try we try to bring you a couple each week that are going to be good matchups. And um, yeah, uh, once again, uh, a couple of great matchups on tap. Will, as always, thanks for breaking down the eight-man game for us. Uh, uh, you do the three stars awards every week on the Idaho eight-man Twitter account and then on our website as well. And you are, I mean, because information is limited, right? You know, somebody who lives in Rockland doesn't always know about what's going on right. uh, up in Clark Fork. And you yep. are, you know, I, and I hope the goal was for this show to kind of be the conduit to bring all the eight man fans together to learn about what's going on around the entire state. And, yeah, hopefully. Uh, and then, you know, guys like you have to vote on media polls and and you may not know as much about some of these teams. So if I can uh, if I can help create a platform where there's just more awareness about eight-man athletes, eight-man teams, eight-man communities, then, then then what I'm doing is working. You know, it's it's serving a purpose if I can just kind of provide that platter for, for people to utilize. Definitely. Well, we'll be back to, to uh, take another turn at the platter next week. Uh, enjoy the competitions this weekend, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to the Idaho 8-Man Prepcast. For Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.